0: to see heaven move mightily in your life. And we're saying, God, I need something fresh from heaven. I need a fresh outpouring from heaven. I need a a, a wonder. I need a sign. I need a miracle. I need a breakthrough. And we want the kingdom of heaven to come. But I think the issue becomes, the blockage becomes, when we cry out, holy. When we cry out, God, you are holy. Holy seated on your throne, and we ask for your kingdom to come, your will be done, for heaven to come. But we don't have an understanding of what that actually means, of what heaven being on earth really looks like and what the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven actually is. We, We have a basic understanding of the kingdom of heaven, but I believe that the kingdom of heaven is more real and more rich than you can even imagine. That maybe we don't have a full revelation of the kingdom of heaven yet. The more I learn, can, can, I just, can I just be real? The more that I learn, in fact, God has taken me through a season right now where I'm going to be revealing mysteries to you that you may have sat in church your whole life and never heard. How do I know that's a possibility? Because I did. But I've sat in church and I've listened to preachers preach. And in this season, God's begin to give me revelation after revelation after revelation of things. I'm going, that's not in the word of God. That's not accurate to what the word says. That's not preaching the word. And I've come to this place where I'm going, how much of our teachings are heretical? And I've begun to see this whole um, uh, invasion of Pharisee teaching into our word. And to the point where I'm looking around at our culture and our church and I realize we're called the weird ones, we're called the cult, we're called the strange ones because we actually do what the Word says. And the issue is that a lot of churches that believe like us, there are a lot of churches like us. Don't mistake that we're somehow the only one doing Holy Spirit stuff. There are churches that are doing it. The, the issue is that what I see lacking in the church is a biblical understanding to explain it well. Amen. They don't have the language because they've been taught their whole life that what they're doing is not in the scripture. And so they've allowed themselves to slip into a place of going, well, God is not confined to just the word. There's the rhema and the logos, right? The spoken word of God and the written word of God. And if it doesn't contradict this, it can add. I don't mean that in the heretical way. I just mean uh, God can do a new thing. Amen? The Bible says, behold, I do a new thing. So as long as it's within the confines of this, a new thing can happen. And so they write it all off as a new thing. It must be a new thing. I don't know. And, And what it does is it allows for those people who teach the word of God erroneously to have a foundation or a root to discredit. You know, there was people like that in the time of Jesus. In the time of Jesus, there were people who constantly came to Jesus and thought they knew the word better than him. They thought they knew the author better than, you know, I, I remember hearing a story uh, about uh, somebody that was going through a PhD program. I don't remember the, the context or what the, who it was, but there was a gentleman who was going through a PhD program, um, getting his master's. Uh, in the English language and he submitted a paper that covered an author's work and it was supposed to summarize, explain the author's intent, what the author was trying to convey, right? And the teacher writes back to him and, and gives him a bad grade on this paper saying you did not fully understand the author's intent Uh, You don't fully recognize what he's saying. You didn't catch his meaning. Uh, And basically let him know he had missed what the author was writing. And the gentleman wrote uh, the teacher back and said, that's really odd since I'm the author of the book. So he was in a PhD program where they were covering one of his books and he had to write about what the author's intent was and the teacher gave him a bad grade. That's the equivalent of what the Pharisees were doing to Jesus, This is not only the author of the word, he is the word. And they're trying to tell him, no, see, we know better about who you are than you know about yourself. They're trying to explain him and the word and what happens is Jesus has an understanding, a deeper revelation to give to the people than what the Pharisees can offer. So he's able to combat their religiosity. And if we don't have an answer for the world, then we will have no reply and we will seem like the strange ones, the minority, the ones that are twisting the word instead of the ones. We're talking about myth busters and this goes along with that. Tonight, I'm going to peel back the layers of 1 Corinthians and it's going to blow your mind. And I stopped, and I just, I'm telling you, it's going to mess you up. If you're a lady in here, and you've never heard me talk about women in ministry, and we're going to particularly pick on Corinthians, and it's assault on women, so to speak. And I don't think Corinthians is assaulting women. I think Pharisees have grabbed a hold of Corinthians and twisted a lot of things in there that I'm going to undo in a snap. Okay, some of you are going to get angry like you did last week when you heard my teaching on Sunday night when you realize that you've been snowed, duped, and deceived, that you've allowed mythology to creep into your faith. I want to root out the mythology, amen? We don't need any mythology in our faith, and somehow we've allowed it to permeate through Christian circles, and we've lost and diluted down the power of God by doing so. I want the power of God to return. We're in a season where we're beginning to escalate, increase, and take over. Amen. We're taking over Hollywood. We're taking over finance. We come back into business kingdom. We're seeing God begin to advance on all fronts, music industry. We're seeing Christians begin to move in power and set a standard instead of just compete. And it's time that we understood that in our word. So if we are coming to a season where we're taking authority, we better know our message. If we're going to be the predominant voice in the world, again, we have to operate in power and wonder. They can't just hear about God. It's not a God of an old dusty book. See, the issue is, is what we've done for a long time is we said, as as this culture, if we can show them the power of God to have no argument against the word, we've got the power part, but I want to see an Increase. I told some people this week, I'm like, Lord, how do we get more? How do I get more? How do I have more authority? Lord, I want to see my shadow heal people. And so I read that scripture where it says that Peter assigned people to distribute the bread. He said that we need. I need to commit myself to preaching and praying, preaching and praying. He did nothing else but preach and pray. So I'm putting up some scaffolding and I'm carrying some stuff around here. I'm cleaning off the stage and I'm like, that's why my shadow doesn't heal anybody because I'm still having a carry stuff around. You guys are like, pastor, we need you to pray. Well, then leave me alone so I can pray. I'm like, if everyone else would just pick up their task so I could pray and preach, then my shadow would heal people. So if you come up and you're like, pastor, you pray for me and I didn't get healed. Well, grab a screwdriver, get a vacuum. I'm like, Lord, is that it? And he's like, funny, but no. I like it. I'm going to go with it. That's my new, that's my new thing. But I, I'm, I'm legitimately honestly asking the question, where's more power? That was facetious for you guys that don't know me yet, okay? That was called joking. But as I, as I peel back the word, I'm like, Lord, how do we operate in more power and authority right now? Like, the one thing I don't want us to do is be such a power hungry church that we forget who gives the power. I don't want to be so focused on the gift that I forget about the giver. I don't want to be misbalanced, so I want to keep that in balance. I don't want to I don't want to be so focused on his love, right? I don't want to long for love and have him hide his holiness. I don't want to see that happen. I want both of them in its proper perspective and place. And so please hear me. You know, the, the, the Pharisees, the keyboard warrior Pharisees of the world will always, what they'll do is if you say something like God is love, they will lose it. He's also holiness. I'm, I'm shaking right now. I can't believe you. Right? They'll attack everything because you didn't say the entire gospel or their portion of the gospel. Right? And so they go after it. We have to be rooted in the word because we know that there's ridiculous out there. And we have to understand there are going to be Pharisees that come against us in the season. But that doesn't give us permission to retreat from them. So what we do is we go deeper and we dive in. So I'm going to dig in just a little bit this morning and help you to understand how to see the kingdom of heaven now, how to see the kingdom of heaven increase. Does anybody want an increase this morning? Oh, I might be talking to some people in the room today. Somebody wants an increase. Anybody want a decrease this morning? So who wants an increase? Okay, good. I got half of you in the room that want an increase. The rest of you are like, no, I'm good at exactly the portion I got right now. This message may not be for you. If you want to stay in the same place, then this message is not for you. If we want more of the king, I want more of the kingdom of heaven. What does that even mean? I want a little more heaven on earth. That's what we think it means. Many of us think that, but we don't understand that that it means much more than that. Like I said, I'm going through this season where I keep reading things and I'm like, Lord, that's not what I was taught. Lord, I've been leading this church for eight years and I didn't know that. So I want you to know that every one of these revelations I've been giving you come with an apology. I'm sorry I didn't know what I didn't know until I knew it. But now I know it, so you can know it. So in Mark chapter four, Matthew chapter 13, and Luke chapter 13, we read... About the likes of heaven. The the kingdom of heaven is like. We get this concept here of these different parables that Jesus teaches us about what the kingdom of heaven is like so that we can grasp and understand at our baby level what the kingdom of heaven is actually like. And Jesus compares it to many different things. Now, some of you may ask, well, how many likes are there? That's a great question. Thank you for asking. Um, it's really unclear. Somebody would say seven. Some would say eight. If you count the number of things that Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like specifically, it's, it's six. If you count the one where he doesn't say it, but he kind of gives an example of it, it's, you could say seven. If you count the last one, it's Eight. But the last one is not about the kingdom of heaven. It's about us. So I say it's six. I could be wrong, okay? That wasn't needed information, but I'm trying to teach you the right word. I'm trying to teach you and, and dig you in a little bit deeper. So I'm going to go a little deep today, this morning, because I think it's necessary. But these four, these three different um, gospels give us these accounts that give us a full picture. The one that gives us the richest picture in this particular case is Matthew 13, and they go through uh, these eight different examples there. I think only six of them would be classified as the kingdom of heaven is like. That would be my perspective. You could say seven. Uh, But if we want to look at that, if you want to turn your Bible to Matthew 13, I'm going to jump back and forth, but we're going to dig in here pretty deep. Matthew chapter 13, we're going to see these We're going to understand them, and we're going to bring the kingdom of heaven near. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. As it is in heaven, so shall it be on the earth. We want the kingdom of heaven here now. We are not waiting. We get caught up in new earth, new Jerusalem, and all this stuff about revelation, and we forget that the kingdom of heaven is here right now. Right now, amongst us right now. And I want you to understand let me just say this now. I was asking the Lord, I'm going to explain it in here, but I was asking the Lord, I was like, Lord, am I turning into a heretic? Is that what's going on? Because it seems like lately I keep coming up with revelation that challenges everything I've been taught. And I'm like, I am not turning into some, some, some off the wall belief systems here and twisting the word of God. Like this is a lot of the church taught me wrongs it almost feels like I'm the one that has to be off base for it to be this many, this heavy, this quickly. And then I read this. And the Lord started showing me, he goes, no, 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 no. You're going through a season where that's what I'm doing in your life so that I can raise up the church to walk in the power they're called to in this season. You have to catch the revelation to walk in the power and authority of it. So we have the kingdom of heaven is like, let me just walk you kind of through this Uh, of what's going on here. We have all these different examples of what Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is like. So I'll go through just a couple of them. He has the parable of the sower where he says the kingdom of heaven is like someone who sows the seed. It just says it's like someone who sows the seed. That's the one where he doesn't quite say the kingdom of heaven is like. It's like someone who sows the seed. Then he gives the example, and if you read the three different gospel accounts, some of them focus on one parable or another, a couple of the parables. Only Matthew covers all of them in detail, uh, and they give them in different orders. In other words, it wasn't really relevant what the order there was what was given to the people. But the order is important about what Matthew talks about. The parable of the sower. And then disciples ask questions to Jesus and he answers those. And then he gives the parable of the wheat and the tares. The kingdom of heaven is like wheat and tares. That an enemy comes and sows uh, tares in that. And, and, and the question is, the kingdom of heaven is like someone who has a field and the enemy is battling against it? Yes. 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 There's warfare in the heavenlies. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, right? We start seeing this kind of theme going on here that he's teaching the people. The kingdom of heaven is like sowing. The kingdom of heaven is like a seed, like a plant, like something that starts out small, a mustard seed that begins very small and begins to grow. Jesus is talking about the fact that he's bringing the kingdom of heaven and the ability for the others, the Pharisees, to dismiss his ministry because it's beginning small. Because he begins it kind of in secret. He heals people and says, don't tell anyone yet. And he's saying the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. This might look little to you, but watch what it turns into. And so the scripture is do not despise small beginnings because the kingdom of heaven, in fact, let me just say it better than that. We say that don't despise it so we're not upset about small beginnings. I'm gonna say this, small beginnings are the seed of heaven. Your small beginning means that you are in alignment with heaven. If it begins really big, you might be on your own. The kingdom of heaven loves to take small beginnings where he he cultivates you in humility, in perseverance, in commitment. And then when that has been rooted in your life, he raises you up to victory. He raises you up to more. So then we have the parable of the leaven. What is the theme here? Leaven still deals with bread, but now we're baking bread. Now we're cooking. So we got a lot of sowing. We got things growing up. We got wheat and tares that come to a harvest. And then we have leaven, the bread. And he compares us to the kingdom of heaven. But something interesting happens. This is where he stops with the crowd. He pulls the disciples aside and he teaches them deeply. And in there, the disciples had asked him questions that he taught them privately. But he continues on to teach them about these parables of what heaven looked like. And then he goes on to teach the disciples and the disciples only. And this is really interesting. This is where you have to begin to understand you can't ask for meat if you're still a milk drinker. You can't ask me to teach deep if you're still going to be the crowd and not the disciple. Pastor Vren, are you going to go deeper on Sunday mornings? I go deeper on Sunday nights. Why? Because the disciples show up there. That's where they show up. So I can explain the other half. I can explain more deeply because that's what Jesus taught. That's how it works. And in the evening there, he taught them that the kingdom of heaven is like a hidden treasure, that a man would sell everything he has and buy a field to get the treasure. The kingdom of heaven is a hidden treasure. Mark, this morning, our leadership meeting, he's, I said, what, what's the word the Lord has given you? And Mark says, I see a treasure in an ocean that has to be found. And I said, that is exactly what we're talking about this morning. The hidden treasure of the kingdom of God. There's a hidden treasure that God wants you to unbury, to find, to unlock. There's a hidden mystery that Jesus himself says, I'm teaching you mysteries. Does anybody want the surface level teaching or you want the mystery? mystery. All right, I'm going to try to go deep this morning. But if you're like, that's too deep for me, I'm going back. I'm going back to, to, to wheat and sowing and seed. You want treasures or you want Seed. Let's go. So the kingdom of heaven is like a parable of a costly pearl seeking out a treasure. The kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that catches fish. And then the last one is the parable of the new and old treasures, except it's not about the kingdom of heaven. And we can look at that. It's about a scribe who becomes a disciple. He said, like a man, like the head of a household brings out new and old treasures. A scribe who becomes a disciple. So the last example, the kingdom of heaven is like the seed, then it fruits, and then it's a treasure. And so Jesus is teaching us a lesson, is that the seed turns into fruit, and the fruit becomes a treasure. And eventually that treasure is used in us to turn us from scribes, witnesses, People that can testify to disciples. There is a difference between your testimony and the testimony of a disciple. Eyewitness account of a disciple. And so God is looking to take us from a place of just knowing to a place of following. There is a difference between a believer and a follower. The devil believes the kingdom of heaven is light. So let's dig in just here a little bit. The beginning of that talks about this in Matthew 13, 19. It says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one whom seed was sown beside the road. And so I want you to catch this is that it says this, anyone who hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it. I don't get it. I don't understand, pastor. I don't know what you're talking about. It says that because you lack understanding, the enemy comes and he can take the seed. It gives him permission to take the seed because you didn't understand it, which means you didn't cover it. You didn't plant it. It was just sitting on the surface, and it was free for the enemy to take. And so understanding becomes important, and it begins to help us understand why Jesus is telling them a simple parable and giving the disciples a deeper understanding of it is because they can understand it so it can be planted. If they can't understand it, the enemy gets to take it. And Jesus is not interested in wasting his words. And so he gives them a deeper understanding. So to the the ones that have no revelation, he gives limited revelation. I want you to hear me. To the ones that have no revelation, he gives limited revelation. To those that have greater revelation, he gives greater revelation. And you have to understand what's happening here if you don't understand the context of why was Jesus teaching about the kingdom of heaven is like and talking about those that don't understand it can be stolen from. Well, we can read about that in understanding that leading up to chapter 13 there, Matthew paints a picture of a growing hostility among the religious authorities towards Jesus, In chapter 12, we see a confrontation, multiple confrontations uh, with Jesus and his disciples. First, they pluck a few grains uh, on the Sabbath, right? And the Pharisees come out and they're like, is it lawful to pluck Sabbath? So the growing hostilities happen right there. He plucks the kernel and they come at him with the word, right? What does Satan do? He comes with the word. The religious leaders come with a twisted understanding of the word. And Jesus has to tell them, man was not made for the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for the man. And I am Lord of the Sabbath. I do what I want. I want to eat. I want to eat. I am rest. I don't need to rest. I am it. And he begins to teach them a deeper revelation of what Sabbath actually meant. And he comes against them. And then they come against him even more. And then it says that um, uh, he healed a man with a withered hand. In fact, if you read all the accounts, it looks like he healed multiple people. Okay, I won't get into each one of those, but each different account kind of gives us a richer story. But we see basically what Jesus did is he ate some grain and healed a bunch of folks on the Sabbath. And they're ticked. They are so mad that this man's withered hand is now straight. How terrible. This is the, this is the idiocracy of what's happening And the Pharisees' belief system. is They're actually agreeing that Jesus is the one with power. I want you to catch this. Jesus is the one with authority and power because they're saying that what he did was against the Lord, that he has broken Sabbath. So they are concretely saying, I don't believe the Lord healed him. I think you healed him or Beelzebub healed him. And he has to deal with the fact that he's called the devil. So they're trying to find any other reason than it's God. And so they won't give the credit to God for healing. This is how twisted their scriptural understanding is, is they're watching a man who's got a withered hand. They're watching people get healed and they cannot believe that's the Lord. And so they have a twisted understanding of what the kingdom of heaven is actually like. It must be. The Pharisees accuse him in verse 22 and 30 uh, uh, through 30 in 12 that he must be doing it through the power of Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. So following this vicious false allegations against him, Jesus called the Pharisees a brood of viper. In verse 34, he calls them a brood of viper. And the rest of the verses... uh, that we can see here, uh, he begins to explain something. Jesus explains that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's in Matthew twelve thirty four. It's clear that the Pharisees made their accusations because their hearts were not right. He's saying out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. He is directly saying, you've said these things because your heart is not right. You're a brood of vipers you are speaking out of a bad heart, not out of a bad revelation. There is a difference. I didn't understand what I didn't understand. But even as Jesus shows them, they see the signs and wonders, they still argue. Pastor Wren, why why do you go after the people on, on TikTok and Facebook and stuff that criticize what God is doing here? Because Jesus did. Because when they came after The work of the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, you're a brood of vipers. And he gave them, in 12, he gives them a warning. You can speak against me, Jesus. You can speak against me, Pastor Wren. But do not come against the work of the Holy Spirit. Do not come against the work of, the danger, the danger. People say, how do I know I blaspheme the Holy Spirit? Well, you'll be dead. But he warns the Pharisees, he gives them an opportunity. When you come against the Holy Spirit, in other words, I have healed these people and you're saying it's by another power, not the power of God. You have blasphemed the Holy Spirit and you're in danger of hellfire and brimstone. You're in danger of death when you start saying that's not the Lord. Can I say something, church? I'd rather you just sit there and think it and go, I don't know if that's the Lord. I would rather it not be the Lord than we say it's not the Lord and it is. One of them, we just need to get better at discerning. The other one, we're in danger of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. You hear me? So it's like, Pastor Wren, is everything that happens at the altar of the Holy Spirit? No, sometimes it's just weird people. If I pray for you and you go out in the Spirit, amen, you fall, no one catches you, you won't get hurt, okay? Why do we have padding at the altar? For the ones that aren't going out in the Holy Spirit and they get hurt. The padding is not for the authentic expression, the padding is so you can lay down comfortably in the presence of the Lord, so you can lay there comfortably. That's what it's for. And it's for the couple that get caught up emotionally that aren't really there yet. Okay, I want to do it too. Okay, so they're attacking Jesus. This is the context. The kingdom of heaven is like, all these examples of that happen right after that, the same day. It says that Jesus goes by the sea and he sits down to teach. Can I teach you something? This is how you know that he wants to teach something rather than just preach a message. He wants to do a teaching to come against what the Pharisees have said. He sits down. In that time, if you were going to teach something, you sat down. Many times on Sunday nights, you'll see me get a chair so I won't preach. And I will sit so I can kind of stay in teacher mode. When you stand up, you get into a posture that allows you to preach. So he was trying to teach. He sat down and he began to teach them. The kingdom of heaven is like. So he's, he's trying to reveal information to them here. So following that, he says that out of the abundance of the mouth speaks. And, and he examines their heart. Says Jesus says, in verse 35, good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good thing. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth good things. So we start to see that when he teaches the crowd... He talks about seed, but when he teaches the disciple, he starts talking about the Pharisee and their treasures. Let me tell you what the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like someone who searches out a good treasure. These Pharisees bring out bad treasures. These Pharisees keep bringing accusation, and they pull the word of God, and they corrupt it, and it's no longer the treasure it was intended to be. So he teaches them a parable about treasures, directly addressing what he says to the Pharisees. He's kind to the crowd, but he's deep with the disciples. So Jesus begins to teach this thing, and we, we read this, this little bit that gives us um, kind of this understanding. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to paraphrase this. You can go through and read these two chapters on your own, but they're profound. It, is What he says is this. He says basically this. You know this scripture, and we use it in the wrong context a lot. Not the wrong context, but it, a different spin on what its original context is. We need to know the original. The original context. He who has will be given more, but he who has none, it will be taken from. He who has more will be given to him. He's using this in the context of talking about what's in their heart and the revelation and the understanding of the Word of God. He's directly referencing their understanding of the Word and the kingdom of heaven. He who has will be given more. So the context of that scripture is, let me, let, me, let me phrase it in the way he was speaking in the speech he was given at the time so it makes more sense to you rather than just pulling it out by itself. He who has revelation will be given more revelation. He who has more understanding will be given more understanding. He who has none, the seed will be taken because you, can't, because you cannot understand it. You have no understanding. The seed will be taken. That's the parable of the sower. He who has no understanding. Jesus literally says this is to fulfill. In this one, this particular, these kingdom of heaven is like, he literally says this is to fulfill the the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 6. He who has ears, let him hear. They will not hear and they will not see. The revelation of chapter 6 of Isaiah The prophecy there is, go and tell the people. You have ears to hear, but you don't. You have eyes to see, but you don't. And they won't. And deliver it that way, lest they hear, lest they repent, and I have to heal them. This is the moment where Jesus is preaching, and they're coming against everything he's doing. And he says, this is Isaiah chapter 6. You don't hear, and you don't see. And what do they do? They don't. Lest they repent. The Pharisees do not repent. This is a moment of the tares and the wheat being separated in Jesus' ministry where he's showcasing the disciples versus the religious leaders. And he's saying if you can't grasp the simple thing about what the kingdom of heaven is like, the simple thing, It'll all be taken from you, and the Pharisees can't grasp it, so they're not going to get any deal. Well, why don't you just give more revelation? They won't get the basic revelation. They won't take a first seed, so they don't get any more. And so Jesus is saying, I'm taking everything from you because you've come against me, and you choose not to plant the seeds I'm giving you. And so God gives you a revelation. You say, well, that's not for me. I mean, I really want to do that, but ah. That seems kind of hard and we go from losing it immediately we go uh, we go to the hot scorching sun where it says they burn away at the first sign of trouble and then we go to the thorns choke it out because we go back into the world it says the word is planted in us and it's ne- or it's thrown and some people never even grasp it they don't even comprehend it so it's taken from them the other ones life gets a little hard and they forget and they and, and, and they're burned up immediately they can't handle it the other ones say they go back to the world and like thorns it chokes them out. It chokes out what God did for you because you want to live in the thorns. You want to live in the things that hurt and poke and stab. And you don't even realize that you're suffocating yourself to death. And Jesus is trying to say the Pharisees aren't even the ones that got it taken away. They're the ones that won't even receive it. So what happens is, is so many people, they're Pharisees on the internet for sure. We, we could, you could see that America has a problem. The world has a problem with Pharisees because we have the internet now to expose them. And they come against everything real quick. And you could see, you didn't even try to receive this. You didn't even ask the Lord. You didn't even go deep. You, you can see the difference. Can I tell you two little videos that make a difference for me? I posted the video of Ashley getting baptized. She is rolling laughing, if you were here to see it, like, Holy Spirit, she was swimming in the tank, like, like she was just swimming, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, she thought she was, like, she didn't know where she was, because she's literally like, ah, <laughs> right, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, I was like, I shouldn't post this, I'm going to get, the Pharisees are going to get me, the Pharisees are going to get me, uh, so many thorny Pharisees are going to come up and poke me, I'm like, I don't want to do it. And so I'm like, I'm going to do it anyways, because I'm a troublemaker. Here comes trouble. So I'm going to do it anyway. So I posted it, and I'm like, oh, it's going to be so bad. But then Gloria, at Greater Things, she got prayed for by Randy Clark, and the Holy Spirit hit her, and she slammed to the ground, which is just Gloria on a Tuesday. Um, <laughs> so she hits the ground, and she's like, oh. Right and she her legs are kicking and, and Randy Clark tries to step over her to pray for the next person and she kicks his legs out and he almost bit it and I'm like the internet needs to see this this is fantastic haha <laughs> Randy Clark almost bites it <laughs> what well, goes around comes around right like you prayed for her she slammed down she tried to get you so I thought it was kind of funny right so I I was like haha this will be good I'm gonna post that one but I know they're gonna beat me up over Ashley well Ashley's video on TikTok alone has over thirty thousand views as of this morning. Um, And it has hundreds of comments. And as of this morning, there are three negative ones. Literally everyone is replying saying, I can feel the Holy Spirit on this. This was an authentic encounter. I thought I was going to get beaten up. And everyone is like, I'm crying watching this video. Like it moved them to tears watching her laugh. So the Holy Spirit was drenched in that. Gloria's, which I thought was going to be kind of funny, was not funny. She got all kinds of bad spirits according to people. They experts in 10 second video. They can tell exactly what it is, where it came from, how it got there, who's who's operating in it, and why they're not casting it out. Like they they know. And I'm like, I see you, Pharisee. I see you right there. I see you. she got a Leviathan. How do you get a, how do you know that's a Leviathan? With well, the way she's shaking. Like I don't, like, how do you know it's Leviathan? It's 10 seconds. But you have already discerned it's Leviathan. You, you're good. You who don't believe in Holy Spirit know exactly what spirit it is. Okay. Okay. Okay, smarty pants. I can see the seed is being swiped from you. I feel sorry for the people that never encounter the power of a living God. And so what's happening here is that Jesus is literally saying, he who has no revelation will receive none, and I'll take everything from him. So we use that in the context of money many times, Right. We try to use that. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean that. Everything in Jewish language can mean eight different things, eight deeper things, eight revelations below the surface. So, but the surface meaning of that is if you don't have a revelation. So I'm like, Lord, why are you giving me so many heretical, like revelations about heretical teachings in the church and, and peeling it back and going, how come nobody told me this? How come nobody said this? And I'm like, Lord, why is there so many so fast? He says, because he who has revelation, I'll give him more. So I'm in a season now where because I have revelation, I'm getting more revelation. And because I'm searching for the mysteries of the word of God where I've been taught wrong and my heart is saying, Lord, if there's something wrong I've been taught, undo that teaching. Undo the years of teaching that's been ingrained in me that is not correct. And because of that, God says, Because you want more, because you receive the seed, I'll give you more. Because it's been planted in you, it must fruit up, and fruit produces multitudes of seeds which fruit faster. And so the more, the the one seed turns into many seeds, which turns into multitudes of seeds, and it escalates quickly. Because I'll receive the next seed. The next seed will be planted in the ground and it'll grow up. A thousand crops instead of one, and so because of that, I'm like, "Lord, this is this is good." Okay, so let's get a little deeper. You ready? Yes, sir. What is the kingdom of heaven? The kingdom of heaven is like the kingdom of heaven is like. Well, let's just analyze that word, the kingdom of heaven. First of all, that word heaven, in its original in the Greek, there. Um, is a spiritual place. Um, It is not the heavenlies above. It's not the stars and the skies, uh, but it is a spiritual understanding. It also says the kingdom of God. And so we understand what we're talking about when we talk about the kingdom. Okay? Um, But what I want to reveal to you is kind of the, the underlying what this really is that we're talking about. The kingdom. Basilius. The Greek word there for kingdom is basilius, the kingdom of heaven, basilius. And why is this word important? Understanding the root of the word or where the word comes from or the the cultural understanding of the word, I think will change what is available to us. What we are trying to do is say, Lord, I want a little piece of heaven now. The kingdom of heaven is like, we think that Jesus is trying to explain to us what heaven will be like when we get there. What is heaven like? That is not at all the cultural context of what Jesus is trying to get across to him. The kingdom of heaven is like a place where seeds are planted and stuff grows up. The, as far as I understand, heaven, it's done. Heaven is the finished work. The kingdom of heaven is different than the place we go when we die. This is different. This is about the authority and the rule and reign of Jesus on earth, the kingdom of heaven on earth. So Basilius, I want you to understand where this word comes from. But what it doesn't mean is necessarily a physical place. It means this. This is going to blow your mind. Nobody ever told you that kingdom meant this. The very first definition of kingdom before it means a possible place, which came in much later, it means this. Royal power, kingship, Dominion or rule, not to be confused with an actual kingdom, but rather the right or authority to rule over a kingdom. The kingdom of heaven, the authority of heaven, the power of heaven is like, the right to rule of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is not talking about the place we go to when we die. The kingdom of heaven of light, what Jesus is saying is, let me teach you how to operate in kingdom power and show you what it is. Kingdom power is to receive a revelation, plant it deep, and allow it to spring up a harvest in your life. Kingdom power is about searching for the mysteries of God, digging deep and pulling out a treasure. The power of God is to Pull treasure out of the ground. It's about authority, the authority of heaven. Jesus is teaching these people surface level authority. And then the disciples, he says, it's more than just a seed. It's more than just fruit. It's a treasure. Are you searching for fruit? Because fruit will feed you. But a treasure, a treasure will build a kingdom. Fruit will feed the people. But a treasure will grow it. It'll grow a kingdom. It'll buy land. It'll build buildings. It'll advance a kingdom. And the kingdom of heaven is like a man who's searching for the power of heaven. Not just to get there. See, some of us, we want an escape plan. Heaven is our escape plan. When God is saying, Some of you want to walk in greater authority, but I'm going to say this to you the Pharisees will get no authority. The Pharisees will have no power. The Pharisees will not have anything of the authority of heaven in them because they have not allowed even a seed to be planted. And unless it is planted and watered, it will not grow up power. See, when we receive a revelation into us and begin to use that revelation, search it out, knock and the door shall be open. Seek and you will find me. When we seek for deeper understanding of the word of God, it comes with an increase of power. It comes with an increase of authority. And Jesus had just dealt with these Pharisees, these broods of vipers, and he sat down to teach it, and you know it had to be fresh on his mind. Which is why he tied Isaiah 6 into it. They hear. but They, they listen, but they don't hear. They don't receive. So the question is this. Do you come week after week, hear the word of God, but do not receive it? Do you go, well, that's good, that's good, but you don't apply it to your life, which means you never water the seed that you're given. If you can't be entrusted to plant a seed an inch deep, you'll never find the treasure buried below it. See, there's a treasure. And then 13, we read what the kingdom of heaven is like. I will open my mouth in parables, I will utter things hidden since the foundation of the world. See, Jesus says, I will open my mouth in parables and I will utter things hidden since the foundation of the world. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who searches for the things that are coming out of Jesus' mouth that have been hidden since the foundations of the world. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings to search it out to find the hidden treasure that God has buried in the word of God. And so we cannot just rely on the last generation's revelation where we've, been, we've allowed Phariseeism to infect our church, where we've gone into a generation where we haven't seen the power of God. I remember reading about uh, uh, Wimber and, and some of the others that saw a Holy Spirit explosion in the 80s because they began to read the word of God and they began to look and say, we read about it, but where is it, God? We hear about it in church, but where is your power? Where is your authority? And they started searching. They started planting seeds of the word of God in them. And it grew into a desire to see the word of God fulfilled, the power of God manifest. And so because they began to receive a seed, they read the word and they went, wait, that's not what it says. This is what it says. That's the seed. And the seed goes in and they say, wait. We're not seeing it, but it's what it says. It's the same reason why we see the power of God move in our baptisms. I have challenged everything we learned about baptism. The more I learn about baptism, the more I realize that John's baptism of repentance is heretical. Not just wrong, heretical. That baptism was never, not once in the scriptures, not once, not once John's baptism of repentance. Clearly spelled out in the scripture over and over. If you don't know that, come on a Sunday night when we're baptizing a bunch. It's never the baptism of repentance. It's the baptism of fire and the Holy Spirit every time. There's not two. There's not two. John's was a holder. Acts 18 and 19. You don't believe me? Write that down in your little notebook and read it through baptism and you'll see it. And I read that and I'm like, this is wrong. And so because there were men before me like in the 80s, Wimber, who said, this is not right teaching. And Lonnie Frisbee before that, that that didn't see any power and was going, hey, where's the power? The Bible says power. That was a seed that heaven was throwing that Jesus in the word made flesh was sharing with his heart. a word, giving him a seed. And he received the seed instead of saying, well, that's not what we've been taught it meant. And the devil took it. Well, that's not what they said it meant. Some of you, when I said, John's baptism of repentance is not the baptism of the Bible, some of you went, no, that's not true. That's not true. Because you've been told that your whole life. That's not true. You let the devil just take that from you. Why don't you say, Lord, I'm going to search that out. He says it is. Let me search. Let me receive the seed and then decide if you're going to water it. But receive it, search it out, and let God reveal the mystery and see if I'm right. If I'm wrong, dismiss it. But when you just dismiss it offhand because it's not what you were told, you're the Pharisee who would would stand in front of Jesus and dismiss him. I was talking to one of our families that came out of the the UPC and the the, the, the denomination that believes that my beard is a sin. That's how you know they're wrong right away. This beautiful thing cannot be a sin. There's too much glory on this beard. And so I just sat down. And I was like, okay, let's go through the dozens of scriptures about beards in the Bible. It's like, here's Aaron's build, beard dripping with oil. Here's, they're pulling, you know, the, uh, the men, the mighty men of, of David, they, they hid in a cave for weeks because they wanted their beards to grow back because they were ashamed they didn't have half a beard. Like I went through over and over, John the Baptist and his burly beard. And I said, I don't know how to tell you this, but Jesus would not be welcome in your church. John the Baptist is not allowed to preach there. And then Le- uh, uh, Leviticus that says, don't shave your beard. I said, literally, there's one scripture in the whole Bible about shaving. It says, don't oh, like literally. And I was like, if you miss such an easy one, I said, did they ever preach on that? Oh, you never heard that one in that church? I was like, you never, you ne- they never covered that scripture. Like, I didn't even know that was in the Bible. I'm like, it's in the Bible. Let's turn. And I went through it and I said, if they missed such an easy revelation, they definitely didn't get any of the deeper ones because they won't receive the seed but she received the seed. She was like, yeah, yeah, that's, I see it. It's in the word. She received the seed, but they won't receive the seed so they don't receive any other revelation. They don't have the deeper stuff, right? Because they couldn't even get the surface seed to start. That's how you know, because it says the kingdom of light is like what, he says in the beginning, before you get to a mustard seed, before you grow up leaven, before you get to a treasure in the field, dig deep. The very simple premise of the kingdom of heaven was seed thrown. And none of it was received. Therefore, nothing could be planted. So if you can't get the simple stuff, you're not going to get the treasure buried underneath the plants. God wants us to go deep. He wants us to have revelation. He wants us to walk in authority and power in this season. He doesn't want us to stay on the surface. He wants us to root, dig deep, find the treasure and see the kingdom of God advance in power. Not Just a place, not heaven, not the place of heaven. The kingdom of the authority of heaven is likened unto this. The authority and the power of the kingdom of heaven, the power to heal, the power to prophesy, the power to see God move and wonder on the earth, is the kingdom of heaven planted correctly. It's when we receive the word of God and it allows us to be empowered to see the kingdom advance on the earth the authority of Jesus to advance on the earth, not waiting for a place we get to go to to escape this dark world, but to be the light that brings the darkness out. We're called to get rid of darkness. It's so funny that Jesus' ministry is titled as this. It's not to bring salvation. Salvation is a byproduct. It's not to come and tell the good news. That's a byproduct. It's not just to love his people. That's part of who he is already. Jesus says, I was manifest into the world. The Son of God was manifest into the world to destroy the works of darkness, to destroy the works of the evil one. Yet we want to walk around and we are okay with a powerless gospel, with a dead God who doesn't speak or move or breathe or heal or or signs and wonders. He can't can't part a cup of water, let alone a sea. Can't even turn my water into Kool-Aid, let alone wine. They're the ones drinking the Kool-Aid. Because it's a gospel, they mixed themselves. The biggest thing I can tell instantly a a, a Pharisee from somebody that's searching. You you can be a skeptic. Can can I just give you permission in this room? Be a skeptic. You're allowed to be skeptical. Thomas was skeptical. We call him doubting Thomas, and that's not really fair. That's not really fair. Because he believed. He said, they told him, but he's like, I want to see the scars myself. I want to bear witness to it. And so we call him doubting Thomas, but it never really says he was doubting. He just didn't believe them. Peter's a little bit, you know, Peter could be a little, in that season, Peter was a little bit off his, his, his kilter, a little bit. Okay? And so maybe he's like, uh, Peter, you're having some really heavy emotional swings, and I understand you're grieving right now. You just denied him, and now he's resurrected. Okay, you're like, getting real wacky, dude. I need to see the scars. Right. So we, we call him doubting Thomas because he wanted to see the evidence of it. So it's, there's nothing wrong with being a skeptic. It never says Thomas stops being a, a, an apostle. He never stopped. They don't replace him because of his unbelief. Jesus doesn't criticize him for his unbelief. He's like, here, touch him. He doesn't criticize him for his unbelief. He honors his desire to search out the truth. In fact, I would say that the reason why Thomas, this is in my notes, it's all for free. The reason why Thomas wanted to touch the scars is because Thomas had a revelation they didn't. See, Thomas understood that in ancient cultures, when you made a covenant, when a man made a covenant with another man and another family, your family is my family, my family is your family, your enemies are my enemies, my enemies are your enemies, they made a covenant. They would exchange clothing, and then they would cut their hands. And they would take dirt, and they would rub dirt They would do a blood covenant and then they would rub dirt into the scar, into the wound so that it would scar. By packing it full of dirt, it guaranteed it could not heal correctly. So it had to scar. And so that way, anyone that came and saw that man knew that if I come against that man, I come against whoever belongs to that scar. See, Jesus resurrected himself, but he didn't heal his scars. So that when people know, they say, no, you don't understand, Satan. When you come against them, you come against me. As the bearer of the scar, I'm in covenant with them, and it cannot be taken away. The scar remains, so does the covenant. It cannot be removed. So Thomas said, I want to touch the scar. If he made a covenant... He would have got a scar. His hands were pierced. If he made a covenant, he made a promise. He paid for it. His hand was pierced. I want to see the scar of the covenant that says he still got my back. My fight is still his fight. Let me see the scar. So I know the covenant has been paid for and sealed. The kingdom of heaven comes with power. Jesus didn't bear a scar so he could go to sleep on us and wait until we're in heaven to talk to us again. He's bearing a scar and he says, your fight is my fight. I have your back and in this season, you will walk in my power because I've given you my authority. You bear my mark. I bear the mark of one who has given authority to you. He was raised, but he did not heal his scars because those are the sign of covenant. Do not mistake his lack of healing on his own body as a sign of weakness. It was purposeful. It was meaningful. Royal power, kingship, dominion, and rule in the name of Jesus. Now I'm going to give you a little bit, just five minutes, just... A little bit deeper. This is this is like this is Sunday morning extra. How's that? Because I, I want you to see the full fullness of it. But that word that I told you was rule, power, and kingdom. It can mean kingdom. In fact, it's not until about 300. I'm just showing you the depth of this to show you that I'm right. It's not until like 300 or 400 that uh, the Roman kingdom is referred to by this term, um, Basilia Romania. Okay, and so um, it begins to refer to the kingdom of Rome okay, or the empire of Rome. Uh, but it, that word originally where it originated is it's, it's out of Greek literature, uh, ancient Greek literature, and the first place you really see it is in reference to uh, the daughter of a goddess, the goddess Uranus. Okay? And so you see her referred to. Uh, she is, this is where it gets interesting. She is known as the goddess of sight and vision, hearing and vision, excuse me the goddess of hearing and vision. And Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven is for those that hear and see. So what he's doing is he's reclaiming what has been perverted out of the Greek culture. And he's saying the kingdom of heaven, it's about hearing and seeing our father. It's about hearing and seeing the power of God. That's where you first see it. In fact, you read about it in the uh, Odyssey. You'll read about it in the Odyssey. And in the Odyssey, um, Homer never actually uses it. it for a while there, it actually meant queen. This is, this is interesting. It actually meant the word queen. Um, why does it mean the word queen? Basilias. Basilia, excuse me, is a feminine word. Basilia, excuse me. It's a feminine word. It's in the feminine form. How interesting this is, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, in the feminine word, a word that... about. 8th century B.C. to 5th century B.C., in that range, a couple hundred years before Jesus, uh, they, they referred to it as a word that means queen in the feminine form, a ruler of female descent. Uh, in fact, in the, in the Odyssey, it's referred to uh, by uh, Penelope. And he uses it exclusively to describe her and the power and authority she has for the king when she rules over 20 different regions. And so it's used exclusively. In fact, it becomes so associated with the heroic epic tales... Um, of Penelope, that they stop using it altogether for, for queen in general, and it disappears. By the time of Jesus, this word no longer means queen at all. They've stopped using it because the, the Romans only really refer to it in usage of Penelope, a strong woman who does the will of her king and rules well with power and authority that 's been given to her by the king. And Jesus uses it for the kingdom of God. In other words, the queen of God. Can I say it a different way? The Bride of Christ. Now you caught it. The Bride of Christ is like, that's the deeper revelation. The Bride of Christ is like, the Bride of Christ is like, the Bride of Christ is like, one who searches a field. The Bride of Christ is one who receives the seed. The Bride of Christ is the one who searches for a treasure. That's the Bride of Christ. He gives us an analogy that means something richer and deeper. And he gives us what the bride of Christ is the authority to do the will of the king. It's the power to operate as an ambassador and, like Penelope, to do the will of the king. We're not just the bride of Christ, we're the king, we're the queen of the kingdom. The bride of Christ. When when a bride marries a king, what does she become? A queen, it's pretty simple to get to that conclusion. And so Jesus says, this is how you operate in power as my bride. That one was free. That's the deeper revelation right there. In fact, we don't see Romans really use this. I looked everywhere I could find. They don't use this word to refer to the Roman kingdom until hundreds of years later. First reference I could find, that I could find, it could be wrong. Uh, First one I could find was, It kind of the Constantinople, um, Constantine 300s, like in that range is the first time I could find them using that term. In fact, I can't even really find them using it. I find references to it about the time period. I can't find anywhere they're using it. It seems more like they were using uh, uh, Latin at the time, which translates into that, but I don't see usage of it. So it tells me that the idea of it just being a physical kingdom, an empire, came much later. The word changed its direction a little bit so the word has changed. And so you see this word turn into kingdom as a physical empire much later. It kind of shifts. But originally it meant the power. And originally before that it meant the queen. So God wants to take us into deeper revelation in this season. We want to pray for you. Send us a message with your prayer requests through Facebook or email and let us know how we can pray for you today. Also, let us know how this message impacted your life. I love you. God loves you. Shalom.